This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, it is Monday, the 27th of February, 2023. I'm still on the move, but uh, I have got a bulging inbox to share. You're listening to Double Time, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Oh, hello, Sean Priest. I'm still in Vienna. <laughs> okay, never mind that. New rule. Never use the term bulging inbox ever again, okay? I'm writing that down. I'm going to email everyone. Hey, listen, if you want to start this show differently, you better start coming up with some lines. <laughs> that was the 804th attempt to begin this program today. So, you know, I'm not doing any more. That's it. That, I'm going with it. It was beautiful. Thank you. How are you? How Many is Vienna? Uh, yeah, it's good. You know, it's nice. It's sunny today. Oh, hang on. What? What is the climate in Vienna? I have no idea. Is it usually warm? Is it? Is it like the UK? What? What's going Scottish. on? Scottish. Oh, grey, grey and drizzly. Grey, drizzly. No, it's not that much different to be honest. I think the only difference is maybe one or two degrees higher. I don't. You know, it's funny, right? I have no idea on the map where I am. That is a very good point. Yeah, to be fair, neither do I. You know what also, I mean? It's like, I was thinking I should get my tactile globe when I get home. I don't have one. I'll buy one. But, you know. You know what? I see so many posts on Facebook for people asking for either touch-sensitive speaking globes where you could just run your hand over it yeah. and it tells you what country you're on. And also you're- tactile globes. They seem to be in short supply. You can buy tactile globes. I've heard of them. For about £10,000, apparently. No, I don't, I don't think they're that expensive. Well, they're not, okay. I mean, obviously, it's not like you can go into the used... You know, you used to be able to go into the stores that would uh-huh. have, like, all the different gadgets and stuff, and you could buy globes that would light up. I remember having one as a kid. It was yeah. just a little spinning globe, and it had a light inside it. But, of course, completely useless. I couldn't see anything on it. I had no idea where anybody, anywhere was. No. <laughs> just like right now. Yes. <laughs> Nothing changed. Honestly, I, I, it's like, I just... I'm, I put so much faith in the pilot... To know that he knows where he's going, or she. In fact, actually, it was oh, a she. Did well I done. say that? Yeah, she. She was flying, and okay. uh, yeah, I didn't catch her name. Obviously, I'm not in first name terms with the people at KLM Airways. Well, but you at know. one point, she would have said, "This is your captain speaking. I'm Captain Blah Blah Blah." I'll so be honest. I was a bit annoyed were... by this. Oh. She was the captain. Yes, a guy did the announcement. I thought that was oh. a bit cheeky. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was a bit I'm, cheeky. I'm, if I'm honest, I'm not getting into this. It feels like we're in danger. No, I, I thought it was a disgrace. It was a damn disgrace. I mean, I, I did nothing about it, obviously. I just oh, sat yeah, there of course. and chomped on my free nuts. But, um, oh, dear. Was like, what are we talking about today? <laughs> oh, I think I'm on travel high. So I'm uh, travelling back today, and <laughs> then tomorrow yeah. I'll be back in my comfortable little studio. I'm gonna, I am gonna. think I'll miss Vienna. I will. I mean, I have to say that KFC is no different to anywhere else, so I won't miss that. But um, Breaking news, KFC <laughs> review. <laughs> Breaking news. Breaking news. <laughs> Chicken news. Um, but yeah, I did today want to share what's in our inbox because we, and I know we've been doing this through the course of last week, just going through what's in the inbox. Coming up, though, a, a really interesting conversation uh, with a man called Juan Caprice. He is um, an incredible guy who talks about uh, how we can use echolocation to navigate. Now, you might remember in amongst, and I don't know if you remember all of this because I can't remember where, where you joined and where you left in amongst your illnesses and falling down and whatever mm-hmm. else. Thank you. But we did continue this conversation around guide dogs and canes for a while. And the subject of echolocation came up. And, and some people pitched it as almost like a third option. You know, so you've got the cane, you've got the dog, and you've also got echolocation. Now, I'll preempt what Juan says a little bit because he doesn't suggest it as a third option. He says it's an additional option, and I think that's probably more the case. What's the difference? But, Sorry, a third option or an additional option? What's the difference between well, the two? Well, I think some people might suggest and or were suggesting. I'm not saying anyone does this, but I'm saying that it was suggested that you could use echolocation in certain areas instead of a cane or a dog. Oh, I don't think yeah. anyone would move around an outside okay. space with, without those things. Um, I think it's more a case of it would be an additional two. Now, Juan has, is actually, he's completely blind. He is a mobility instructor, and that's what he does. He teaches people uh, how to navigate. Uh, but kind of thing my wife does. This is exactly what my wife does, actually. And um, 
I, I kept thinking she would love to talk to this guy because she would, and they would just be talking all day and night about, <laughs> you know, how the sighted people think they know best. Um, but yeah, that was a really interesting conversation with Juan. So we'll get into that a bit later. Looking forward to that, and also interested to hear what people have got to say because I don't, I don't think echolocation is taught anywhere in the UK. Oh, now I don't. I've never heard anyone talk about. I know people use it, but I, I don't know mobility, who teaches it. Mobility trainers that, that that do use it, but I don't know if it's. I'm going to use the have word you experienced offici- that? officially. Eh? Have you experienced that? No, no, I haven't. I've heard people talk about it, and I've heard people that uh, that. Of course, it all comes from that time where um, I remember watching a. It was a documentary or a news report of the guy riding the bike using echolocation, totally blind. Right, this uh, was uh, Daniel Kish. Daniel Kish, exactly right. Thank now, you. This yeah. is who Juan works with, Daniel Kish, and that's how ah. he learned echolocation. Well, so it's all ties together. Like, it's it's a magic. I mean, it, well, it's just magic at that point, right? Because that was totally amazing. I I take that. I'm going to say it. Right, listening to the interview yet? Yeah, I take that with a pinch of salt. Uh, I think it can. I wait be, to hear the interview. Uh, well, exactly right. I, I wait to be um, my mind to be changed on that, but it does seem like wow, that seems amazing. And hey, if it's another tool that can be taught, and I don't think it's a tool that everyone can use, you know, right? but it seems amazing to me. Oh, you're going to enjoy that interview, right? Okay, so that's coming up a bit later because we get into all of that with Juan. So yeah, let's uh, let's get into that a bit later on the show. But yeah, for now, I'm, I want to jump into the inbox because we do get a lot of your emails in. I'm going to start with NY Chris again, New York Chris, or Northern New York Chris, if I remember rightly. Um, so uh, New York Chris is here, and as always, Laura reads our emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. First, welcome back, Sean. Even though you are still recovering, it is so not just good, but great to have you back on the show. Oh, thank you. Even though there were some good guests that helped out in your absence, please know that no one could ever take your place. You are a great value to the show. Plus, you you could tell that Stephen really missed his (laughs) co-captain. I think he got a little lonely driving that ship by himself. Um. I'm writing today to give you some information regarding Mastodon and a little on how it works. There is probably lots more people that know more, but I will share what I know. First, let's compare Mastodon as a big building with lots of rooms in it. The building is the Federation, and each of the rooms represent a different server that you can decide to become a member of. Now, you can only be a member of one room, but you can visit any of the other rooms in the building to see what is going on at any time you want. For example, I am a member of dragonscave.space, but I can look at the timeline of tweezcake.social or iaccessibility.social anytime I want, and favourite a post, repost a story, or reply to a post. So thinking that you are locked into one single community is not totally true. And being able to jump into any room at any time helps you find people and follow them if you want. There is also a search feature that you can use to find people. Now you can decide to leave one room and decide to become a member of another room at any time. There is a process to do this, but you are not forever locked into the first one you join. Now as far as making a new post, all of your new posts will go to everybody that is a member of your room and all of your followers. If you think about it, with time, people that are members of several rooms will be following you and every time they repost your post, then everybody in their room, plus all of their followers, will also see your post. So it does not take much time to get to where your post is spreading across many different rooms. So I would say that yes, it is not exactly like Twitter, but I do not think it is as bad as you are thinking. Terminology. A favourite kind of compared to a like on Twitter, but the only difference is that no one else except you and the original poster sees it. A way of letting the poster know, good post, I like the post, I agree with this, etc. A boost, same thing as a retweet. It is not accepted by every client yet, but even quoted boost could be added in the future. A bookmark, this is what some apps call starred. To star or bookmark a post is to save it to your bookmark list for future reference. This can come in handy if someone posts instructions on how to do something that you want to keep. Home timeline, the timeline of the people that you follow. Local timeline, the timeline of all the posts from the members of your server. I went to this timeline a lot at first, but after you start following some people, you will probably spend most of your time on the home timeline. Federation timeline. Now, this is a unique timeline. This contains posts from all of the members of your server, plus all of the people that everybody from that server follows. So this can be posts of many, many people from lots of different servers. And keep in mind that all of your posts will be part of this federation timeline, which will be seen not only by the members of that server, but also all of their followers. Okay, 
What about clients? Now, there are several different clients out there to choose from, especially on iOS. In my opinion, Mona is the best and most customizable. The same developer that made the Spring for Twitter app has made Mona for Mastodon. The Mona app is currently in public beta, but should be fully released within the next couple of months. If you can get on the public beta, I would recommend it. A few other iOS apps are Tusker, which is free and has quite a few customizations. My second personal choice. Toot, with an exclamation point, is not free, but is a pretty good app. Ivory is a new app. Not sure if it is free or not, but according to AppleViz, it is also accessible. There is also MetaText and Mercury that are accessible, but no longer being developed. Phew, that was a lot of information, but I really hope that it was helpful. I'm really hoping that you join Mastodon, because since I am not really on Twitter anymore, I miss all of your informative post. Thanks for all of the time you and Sean put into making the show. It is greatly appreciated. Your friend from Northern New York, Chris. Wow, thank you, Chris. That is an incredible amount of information. And I think for a lot of people, that's going to be useful. Actually, I'll be honest, I think I'm probably at the the stage where it's time that I got myself set up on there because there's so many people in our community who have moved over there. I don't think I'll move over there, but I think it would be appropriate for us to be there. Uh, Well, at least for me, anyway. Can we have our own room? Can we have the double tap room? Do you want a double tap uh, I want a server, double tap room. Yes, yes. Right. Well, you, if, you can, if you can set no, it you, up... If you could fix that for us, uh, yeah. great. Like I say, if you can set that up, then I'm all for it. Oh, Chris the Stalk, you know what? That is amazing. Uh, you, you make this job, <laughs> our listeners make this job so easy because that information was, was just so spot on. And the, that list of apps alone, I, I'm definitely going to look out for that Mona. Yeah. That seemed fantastic. Thank you so much. I... I get it. I, I almost want to say, well, why isn't there a universal timeline with uh, the, the, the the toots from every room, if you like, all just mixed in together? That would be exactly like Twitter. But then when you think of it, the reason I don't really go on Twitter anymore is because it's so convoluted. There's so many tweets that I'm not actually interested in in there. Uh, back in the day, I thought it was much better. So actually, it does sound more, more targeted. So you know what? I might check this out. Yeah. Okay. Let's get another uh, voicemail in. This actually is a, a, a voicemail recorded by Chris, who sent in her thoughts. Hi, guys. I just wanted to send in a few thoughts about Ira and independence. But first of all, I wanted to say how much I love having Sean back. Yay. Stephen, you did a great job having all those interviews and and they were just really fascinating. But I am so happy to have Sean back because I really miss the banter between you guys oh. and for what Sean brings in his perspective. So welcome back, Sean. Thank Aww. you. Oh, and by the way, Sean, I'm really glad to know that you're off the unused commode. Unused. I was going to suggest a bar stool, maybe, but I'm glad you got something worked out so that you can sit on something different. So I wanted to share my perspective from someone who is blind since birth and grew up basically with no technology in the 70s, and then traveling all the way through here to what we have now, including Ira. So I, I really enjoyed the uh, the show where Ian was voicing his perspective, and it's certainly a good discussion, um, but I just have some thoughts I wanted to bring. So here's what I wrote down for myself to read for you guys. What is the difference really between asking a person who is physically present to do things for you so that perhaps, you know, that you could do for yourself or asking Ira? Asking Ira is just a more public, quantifiable cost or ask, especially if you pay for the help. And this could be something you could even do for yourself, the the task that you're asking them to do. For instance, I pay my housekeeper. Yes, I do the everyday cleaning, but the deep cleaning I hire out. Next point is, why should I care if someone who is or is not developing their skills by using Ira or Be My Eyes? Are we as a blind community afraid of the perception of not being independent? I'm as independent as I can be and choose to be more efficient and pay Ira to do certain things for me. I know not everyone can afford that. Sometimes I feel apologetic because I can afford it, and I don't like that either. I can't easily replace the ability to do things like identifying the color of clothing, reading confidential mail, 
setting up a computer, dealing with Jaws when he stops talking. This never happens on my Mac, by the way. Or ordering the right things on Amazon. Yes, I've ordered a couple of things that I wished I hadn't because I couldn't see them. And I'm happy to have Ira help me with that. These are all things that I can't do with Be My Eyes, by the way. These activities actually increase my independence and make me feel better about the fact that I'm not inconveniencing others because I live on my own. However, if I want to do things like look up info quickly, read the back of a box easily, etc., I have a choice between using an identification slash scanning app or Be My Eyes or Ira. I think the most important thing here is choice. For these everyday tasks, I may just decide to use Be My Eyes, since they don't require any specialized help or dashboard. Yes, like Ian, I'm afraid of the price being prohibitive next year, and am thinking about how and when I use the service. I am also stockpiling some minutes. So is there a sighted person equivalent to this IRA and independence question? I think so. Sighted people could get off their duffs and learn to do handyman work, mow their yards, do their shopping, etc. But they choose to pay someone else to do it sometimes. And does the world see them as less independent? Nope. The difference is, it's not seen as a lack of independence for them because they can see, especially to drive and shop. They don't have anything to prove, in my opinion. And maybe neither do we. I love not bothering someone or having to wait around for another sighted person. I can just call and get things done on my own time. So there are my thoughts, guys. Thanks for listening and have a good one. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that and really appreciate your comments. And I, I, I tend to agree. You know, I will say, though, I, I haven't had a lot of um, issue with sighted people saying to me, hey, why do you pay for this? I tend to find that's more of a conversation we're having in our community about, you know, the way that Ian brought this up. You know, he's he's kind of got used to it, although he doesn't, you know, he lived his, his whole life without Ira, and now he's got yeah. it, and he kind of feels himself he's become uh, almost addicted to it, you know? <laughs> well, I think the point that what's the difference between asking an Ira agent and asking some person on the street, that there is no difference, absolutely. But I think what Ian was saying was what when the cost increases, um, you know, at, I'm going to have to go back to asking people on the street. Uh, He said, which is fine, right? That's what he did for years and years and years. But it's it's the whole point of the convenience of Ira, I suppose, and not having to explain anything and not not getting that awkward experience that you sometimes get where people just either don't answer you or, you know, what? Yeah, but (laughs) but that's right, because this is a service as opposed to... Yeah. I mean, there's there's a huge difference between someone on the street and Ira. Massive difference to me because, look, I mean, I'm, I'm actively seeking out information from a source which is prepared and ready to help me. Like if I was calling director inquiries for a phone number, I wouldn't stop someone in the street and say, hey, could you, you know, pick up a Yellow Pages and, you know, turn it to, you know, plumbing services because I need no, a plumber. No, no. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I think from the, the concept of our independence – Right, not talking about the services or the quality of the service, just our independence. Should we, you know, what? Don't ask anyone. Sort it out yourself. I think there is no difference between asking someone on the yeah. street and, and you know, relying on Ira. Do you know we've got to go? We've got to go over the shame. I think we've got yes. to go over the shame. I feel it all the time. I feel it on my trips. Everything feels like you know. Whenever someone helps you, no matter where it is, unless it's staff in a like a hotel. Like I'm in this hotel. And, you know, everyone is so – the staff here are fantastic. And everyone has been so pleasant and so nice. And in no way do I feel a burden because, you know, they're staff. They are there to help people out. That's what their job is. So I don't yes. mind if someone says, And you're paying hey, for that service as well. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'm not paying them specifically. But, yeah, no, you yeah, know, I'm in a place. And if someone yeah. says, hey, I'll get you a coffee, okay, great. That's fine. But if it was a member of the public who came in and said, hey, I'll get you a coffee, that would feel a bit awkward. Uh, I think that's a difference for me, right? I, th- I think you're right. When g- going back to you know the shame, our self shame, almost bringing up the point there of the housekeeper, right? I've been mm. thinking about getting a cleaner in just a couple of days a week or once a week, even, and I'm sort of thinking, well, why can't I take care of that? And I- I'm almost ashamed to say it, you know. And also, when it comes down to being able to afford something like Ira, I know 
you know, there's a little bit of trepidation from some people saying that they are paying for a certain level of plan because people, oh, well, it's all right for you, isn't it? And that's coming from the blind community itself. Other but that's, blind that's always the case, right? That's always going to be the case. That would be the same with anything. It'd be like someone who drives a Mercedes and you drive, I don't mm. know, some crappy car, whatever that is, you know, so insert crappy car <laughs> yeah, the, reference the, here. But that's the same thing, right? But, oh, look at you sitting there in your big Mercedes. Well, well that's you know, a generic thing. Yeah. You can't. No, but it's the same because I mean, ultimately I, it all comes back to the same I mean, thing. Yes, <laughs> but I think this we, is what we, people like. They like when we shout at each other. We know, yeah, but as as a community, like we're all different, right? But there is common issues that we all face every day that other people with, with sight don't face, and that's that's the common ground between us. That's why there is a community. Yes, we're all different with different opinions, but there is that common thread of issues that we that we face that no yeah. one else can sort of get or understand. And I, I, don't think feel, I would never feel bad about getting a clean. I did it. I mean, I, I got someone in who cleaned the house. And it, was, it was a friend of the family who had actually got involved because we, we'd, we'd known her for a long time. And there has to be an element of trust when you bring someone into your house, especially when you can't see, right? You think, I don't want to find that someone suddenly stole my, my Alexa. Did yeah, I my, tell my, everyone my, that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to find hurts. my fridge getting more and more empty by the minute and <laughs> me not being involved in that. Yeah. So... You know, I, you kind of have to have trust elements there. So, you know, I, we did. And, yeah, there was an element of, and there always is an element of. I mean, I, it's funny. It's one of those conversations you have with people who have also got cleaners. You'll The same conversation happens every time, which is, what do you do the morning the cleaner comes? You clean the house. You know, you clean the house in advance of the cleaner coming because you're so ashamed that something is, you know. And I will say, you know, for me, there's two sides of it for me. Uh, I work from home. And, you know, working from home, you can fall into a rut very quickly of I'll do it tomorrow and tomorrow never comes. And, yes. you know, what I find is that having my cleaner come, Mary, she's wonderful. Uh, you know, Mary will come in on a Tuesday and a Friday and she just she just kind of gets me going in the morning because I'll, she'll walk in and I'll feel buoyed to kind of think, right, I'm going to tidy this. I'm going to get this done. And, you know, it just kind of the gets shame. me moving. She'll also shout at me as well if I don't. So, you oh, know, I've heard Mary important. in the background. She scares me. <laughs> but, you know, I don't feel – I never feel embarrassed about having Mary come in. Um, you know, and, and interestingly, the conversation – and I think it's also about being honest. I had the conversation with her about it once, and she said, well, look, this is what I do for a living. This is my job. And, I, she's, and she loves it. She says, I love doing this job. She's like, I get to meet yeah. lots of different people. I get to go interesting places. You know, and, and I think that's what's brilliant about it, you know. So, you know, for her, she's happy. And for me, you know, I've I've got the comfort in knowing, and I'm uh, this might sound a bit rude and I apologise, but, oh. you know, I want to know my toilet's clean, right? I just want to know things are done. And I have not got the vision level now to be sure of that without literally getting my hands dirty. Exactly and I don't right. want to do that. I just yeah. don't. I'm sorry, I, had, I just don't. I had a visitor staying with us uh, a few months ago and they walked in and said, Wow, there's so many dog hairs on the floor, and I was embarrassed, you know, because wow. I thought I was on it. Because I've now, yeah, you could argue slightly rude, but um, the point was I had no idea, and it's that sort of thing, and it does make you feel slightly shameful, right? And it's um, yeah, think- and that's why I, that's funny. Exactly the same thing comes from Mary. She'll say to me, uh, you know, I've got, you know, I say, how is the house? Because I I think the house is fine. Yeah, exactly. If it feels clean, if I feel the work exactly. tops and they feel clean, that's it. The house is clean. And she said to me. Oh, you've got, you know, the dog hairs were everywhere. And I was really surprised. Now, I wasn't ashamed about it because she said herself, look, that's what I'm here for. That's why I come in. I need to fix that problem. But that actually made me, in a way, it kind of confirmed the need for me because I thought there are things here I'm clearly missing. And when you when you get to that stage, and you know, my wife and I, we both work as well. So you know, there's that aspect of it. It's not yeah, all just about vision. So, but you know, that's a that's a major reason behind it. It's not, you know, I think could we do it ourselves? Yes. What would the reality of that look like? It would be so. Mary takes a, a couple of hours for us, probably a whole day, just to that's do true. what she's done because we would yeah. have to go over it and over. It. And we're you not entirely over-clean. sure when it's clean. Yes, well, yeah, you, that's you right. Overclean yeah. everything. I mean, yeah. I, my my bathroom is like the inside of a duvet with the amount of foam that you know this the squeeze squishy foam stuff you use to clean everything. You just yes. leave it to sit, and it's bleach everywhere. <laughs> my I remember my wife's hands used to be sore for days because of all the bleach that was yeah. burning into them. That's right. And it's just like, that can't be. You can't live like that. So <sighs> That voicemail gave us a hell of a discussion there. Thank yeah. you. That was that was such a great email. Uh, Chris voicemail, Coo. sorry. It was fantastic. Yeah, great, uh, great message there from Chris Coo. Thank you so much for that, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show. I want to get one more uh, email in. This is from Des, and it's on the subject of Be My Eyes and Ira. My name is Des, and I'm an Australian. 
Hello all, and compliments for the show. I have RP and have been totally blind now for the last 22 years, and my age is 87, and use a PC Windows 10 and JAWS, and have been using PC since the DOS days. Also use iPhones from 3S, now using 13 Pro. Now for the purpose of this feedback. Ira and Be My Eyes. Without going into the disaster of Ira at the moment, it is far too expensive for me. One instance is my friend from Canada paid $100 into Ira to my account, of which is $40 Australian for 30 minutes. The bad part of this is that if you only use 10 minutes of this 30 minutes for the month, you automatically lose the rest. You cannot use the rest later, even in the same month. So that is not a proposition as far as I am concerned. I haven't used any of this, and I rang up and asked to return this back to my friend as he uses Ira a lot. I was told this cannot be done. So it is still sitting in their kitty, as I have no need to use Ira at this point and can't see me wanting Ira to help me for 30 minutes. Now for Be My Eyes. I use it quite a lot, for reading things in my office under the camera for instance. If I buy an item, and it has the manual, that is folded up with many languages and small pages that nobody can read as the printing is so small. The first thing is that the volunteer can't read it, I have found. They have always said straight away, hang on, I will look up the manual on their computer, and they do that straight away. And there they tell you where the keys are and how to use it, there and then. Also, the volunteers can talk you to find a door, or show what is around, or where to go to the bus or train, etc. So they may not be experts, but they are very good volunteers, and I don't think that they can be a volunteer unless they have some experience. I find Be My Eyes very good, and will keep using Be My Eyes. Thank you, and keep on jabbering with the podcasts. They mostly have some good information. Des from Australia. <laughs> Typical oh. Aussie. Thank you, Des. Thank you, Des. Straight <laughs> to the no point. Punches, yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, Des. Thanks for listening, and I'm glad you're enjoying the show. And good for you at Windows 10, although it might be advisable to think about going up to 11, security risks and all that. Oh, Right. Just saying, and they're ending support for Windows 10 soon. They seem to be really winding down anything. Oh, they're they're going to extend that, no doubt whatsoever. 8.1, so? I think, they're ending support with totally. They're cutting it off dead. So, um, mm. yes, if you're on Windows 8, get Windows 11. I think it's it's interesting with Ira, isn't it? Because I do think that the plans sometimes, they don't allow much wiggle room at all. And I don't really know why. You know, if someone says, look, I've got 30 minutes, I'm never going to use it. You know, do something, you know, gift it to someone. Yeah, yeah. Gift it, it just it seems odd you can't just do that. What, what difference does it make? You know, these aren't made out, these minutes aren't made out of concrete, are they? No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, I don't it's get all it. a digital thing, right? So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's something you've been pushing for all, all the ways. It's, you know, sort of rollover or, uh, you know, pay as you go and things like that. So, well, I've said this yeah. since we started talking about it. You know, I think pay as you go or like, or even just being able to gift minutes and saying, you know, look, I'm never going to use this or, you know, it just seems such a waste of money, you know. Uh, and it's it's like no one's asking for a refund here. They're just asking for the mon- the minutes to be reapplied. So you'd still get the benefit of the minutes. Yes, and IRA still gets paid. And they still get paid. So I don't I don't get it. But mm-hmm. I, I, I still think the business model is, is going to – I think things will change, IRA. I have a feeling things are going to change because I think there's so much feedback coming in. And I don't know. I, I think that things will, will look different next year. I just have a feeling oh, about it based on the right. feedback. We'll no, see. I don't mean that from like some kind of fancy knowledge. I don't know anything, I don't, and most people know that. I um, think it solely depends on how well this push for enterprise partners goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. think that's the, the key to it all. Right, let's stick around because more to come. I'm going to be talking to Juan Caprice about the subject of echolocation. Very interesting topic. We'll get into that. As uh, It was actually one of the interviews I managed to get last week, and I thought we'd mention since it's my last day here in Vienna, I thought we'd play this in today. Uh, so we'll get to that interview next here on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And of course, I am still in Vienna today. So as I'm here, I thought I would just play you in one more interview. Although I say that, I think there's going to be more interviews coming out of this because I recorded so many conversations, Sean. You've been busy. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think I just want to get home and just sift through it all because there's so much interesting 
Yeah. Uh, so many, so many interesting conversations, you know, uh, going on, uh, and so many interesting people who are at the Zero Project conference. So I'm really looking forward to uh, sharing more of that with you over the coming weeks and months. Uh, but uh, for now, I thought we'd bring in this interview because this was a chat I had with a man called Juan Caprice. He'll introduce himself, but he uh, told us all about his role as a blind mobility instructor teaching echolocation. So my name is Juan Ruiz. I am one of the two blind mobility instructors in Europe. Oh, wow. Okay. And my specialty is in human echolocation. So using, of course, the technique that Batson's often used to get around. I work very closely with Daniel Kish from the U.S. as well. Yes. Well, this is very interesting because we've been having a discussion on our show for some time now, actually, about guide dogs and canes and which is best and you know let's not talk one down let's talk them both up and all That's of that right. and then amongst all that conversation a discussion came up around echolocation as almost like a third option oh my god you know it, it I, I wouldn't say that it's a third option it's just another tool that can enhance your ability to move around better and to have a uh, a fuller picture of your environment. So anything you can use, whether it's uh, a guide dog, a cane, um, echolocation, and of course using all three, if you manage to use all three, that just, it, it adds to the power of your ability to navigate environments better. So explain to me, because I, I know a little bit about echolocation. I mean, my understanding of it, the first time I heard about it, was from dolphins. Not from them themselves, obviously. Other people told me about it. But, you know, it was really interesting to, to learn how essentially dolphins navigate and how we've kind of taken that on as humans. I think that every blind person has quite a good understanding of how echolocation works because they use echolocation on a daily basis. I'm sure you yourself are using echolocation. But we probably don't well, think we use it. Yeah, right? yeah, well, yeah, I'm not sure if everybody knows that they're, that they're using it. And I don't know if people really understand to what levels one can strategically utilize them in every situation um, that really enhances their performance and their ability to move around independently. What are the ways you teach people how to use it? What, what was, let's, I mean, let's go back to day one, right? Let's well, imagine it's day one. You're teaching me how to echolocate. What, so, what, are, you going to, what are you going to tell me? So the first thing I would do is I would observe the way you move around, how you perceive your environment, how you seem to understand environments that you are unfamiliar with. Because my interest is to activate the brain as much as possible and get the person to perceive as much as possible. I am a blind instructor, therefore I understand uh, through my experiences to what levels a blind person can perceive auditorily, uh, using the tactile sense as well with your feet, with your cane, observing people. It, it, it's just a full understanding of, 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 of the environment yeah. <laughs> and situations. And so I tried to figure out where you're at, how you do what you do, and see where I can meet you and what I can teach you because I'm, I, I would not start with you on step one, step two, step three. I would meet you where you're at and see what I can contribute to help you perform better. Are there some people where echolocation just isn't an option? It just doesn't work for them. For, for many reasons. It could just, just be, it feels like sensory overload. I haven't had that experience where echolocation doesn't work for them. It works for them at different levels. Um, some people may use it very little. Some people may use it a lot. Some people, it, it might improve their life significantly and some not so much just because maybe they are already using it very well. And, you know, it's just the little tricks and tips that may help the blind person um, utilize echolocation better. For example, just the understanding of head positioning. How do you hold your head to get auditory input from a different direction. And it, it, as soon as you turn your head, 
sound sounds completely different. The room sounds a little different. Uh, your play, your place in the environment sounds different. As soon as you move your head up, down, left, right, and at any angle, it changes the perspective of how you hear your environment. And winning a hat, kind of an impact, right? I mean, if absolutely, you... <laughs> we're, we're wearing a hat. It's a, it it would almost give you the impression as as if there was a something over your head, like a like a roof. Yeah. And actually, it, depending on which signal you are using uh, to to gather acoustic echo information, um, if I was using a click or if you were using your voice, you'd really hear your hat in front of you all the time. Now, uh, if you're using your cane, maybe it's not uh, affecting you so much. But, you know, echolocation is not just what people think, which is, you know, walking around clicking like mad. Um, well, I wanted to ask you about that because, because there is, a, there is a, sometimes a sense of, you know, you're walking around and, you know, we as, as, as blind people, as disabled people, we want to fit in in That's society. Right. And right. walking around clicking all the time like a dolphin, essentially, yeah. maybe doesn't, you know, yeah, yeah. doesn't ingratiate I mean, ourselves very well with other people. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we don't, click like Matt, right? So so my way of moving around and the way I promote people to behave and move around um, is you have to move around elegantly. You have to look elegantly. You have to present yourself very, very elegantly and move very fluidly, mm. right? And so when I do click, when I'm talking to somebody or when I'm moving around, most people don't even notice it because, well, sighted people have their acoustic filters set differently than we blind people do. Mm. There's so much that blind people can hear better than um, sighted people can because, well, we're, that's just how we function. We, we're, we're trying to grasp as much information. But we're also not looking, so we're... Yeah. Because we're not able to look, so yeah. we we are just aware of the sense. It's not that we have better hearing. Absolutely, that classic not. myth. No, you know we don't have better hearing. We just well, use it better. Yeah, we, yeah, we we use it more and we depend on it more. And sighted people can learn to hear a lot better if they train their brain. Uh, I think everybody has different levels of perception based on their interests and strengths. Mm. You know, one could use such a small click. I'll, I'll, I'll make a very silent click. That's enough to... to that's very quiet. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely quiet, but that's enough to give me some information from a couple of feet around me, whether somebody's sitting next to me or to figure out whether somebody's sitting next to me or whether there's something on the table that's in my way or or you know, just a few feet where I don't need to stretch out my hand or I don't need to stretch out a cane. And then there is, of course different levels of amplitude of clicks that one can use. One can use a, which is a little bit louder, which gives you a little bit more distance in, in perception. Now, you know, one can use a medium click, which gives you a wider radius of, of, of information of objects around you. And of, of course, um, one can use extremely loud click to hear things that are quite distant from you, right? So let's say you're out in the middle of a field um, and you you don't know where the nearest building is. All you got to do is submit a very nice loud click. I'm probably going to set off your microphones here and I'll go, for it. Yeah. Go, and go do that. That's really loud. Now, I mean, I don't do that very often. Especially in social context, yeah. But uh, um, it provides me with the information that I need to move and find what I want. If I'm in the middle of an open field, I can hear definitely uh, a building from about fifty to hundred meters away. Why not? Right? Yeah. It's interesting to me. Okay, first question I have is: What if you can't click? <laughs> what if you can't do it? <laughs> Because <laughs> I've tried, I mean, I can kind of do it, but it feels a bit mushy to me. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel like a proper click. Is it a skill there as well? You know, it's just a matter of 
trying out different clicks and playing around and and getting yourself used to clicking fingers. I mean, is that an option? That's definitely an option. But I it, do that sometimes. It, it doesn't provide you with the most precise picture, right? So so using your cane is an option, of course, because. You can hear things that are closer to the ground. Some people move their feet in a certain way. Um, with the tongue click, it's just at the level of your ears. So it provides you with the most precise picture. I want to ask you your take on technology as a resource, as a, as a tool for mobility. Because there are so many apps available, so many devices now. We're getting smart canes. There's endless talk about the next robot guide dog. Yeah. yeah. I know my view on it, which is I kind of like my cane as it is. Don't smarten it. There's nothing wrong with it. Leave it alone. I've got enough information coming through that thing. You know, don't, don't make it too smart. But equally, there are, you know, as we saw this year at CES, a number of devices that were shown off to really help blind people navigate and, you know, avoid things like overhanging branches and all of that. Where do, where do you stand on that? As a mobility instructor, you know, teaching these skills, do you think that learning the skill of the guide dog or the cane or both and echolocation is enough? And in fact, these other tools, would, would they get in the way? What's your take on that? You know, I think it depends on the individual. What works for one person may not work for another person. Do you, what, do you promote what, any of that? What I promote... First and foremost is self-development and self-skills. I, I, I try to stay away from technology as much as I can to, until it, where, where it makes sense. Like, like, like I'm not going to stay away from Google Maps and, mm. and, and such things that you know really make sense, such as Microsoft Soundscape and one. Hey, that's awesome. So as many tools as possible for me that you can have is great. When, when you ask a sighted person, what is a cane for the blind? Well, it's something to find things. Right? I mean, they, they give you these this very bleak explanations of what a cane is. <laughs> yeah. right? and, and, and for me, the way I see my cane, I see the cane as an extension of me, as an extension of my arm. When I use my cane... And the way I teach my students to use the cane is as if they were reading the ground as if they were reading Braille, like, like they were reading Braille. So with such fine detail, because that's all information, and if, if your brain is thinking of the cane as, 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 as something else, you're going to be missing a lot of information because you've trained your brain to not pay attention to so much. Yeah. And so, so, so first and foremost... Use your hearing. Use your sentence. Our bodies are just perceptual antennas. Yeah. The sense of feel, the feeling of the air, feeling of the floor, feeling of 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 it all. And then when you add acoustics, I mean, you can tell distances of where objects are at, and 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 you know dimensions of rooms and what. If you put that all together, we are powerful sensory antennas. When you first meet a student and you're going to meet someone to, to train them, are they surprised that you're blind? <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact. Um, I've even had some students that, that, that have partial vision who later on admit to me, hey, you know, when we were sitting down for dinner, I was waving my hand in front of you to see whether... You would notice. <laughs> you <could> see. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you're, you're almost too independent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's what it is, you know. I do travel alone. I travel all the time. I've, I've worked in about 30 different countries working with, um, with many different blind people, giving workshops to, to these poor-sighted people who are trying to teach blind people how to function like mm. blind people. You know, I, I, and, and it, it's true. I call them our poor-sighted people who are trying to teach us how to uh, function as blind, like blind people. But, you know, the, the funny thing about it is when you ask a, a sighted person, well, okay, so you work with a lot of blind people and you work with blind people on a daily basis. Um, how often do you yourself go under the blindfold? And most of the time, it's never since 
we went through our education. Isn't yeah. that sad, Stephen? Yeah, that's actually very sad. I think that, you know, I, look, you and I look, maybe take this from a different perspective because we are blind. Let's be totally frank about this. You cannot understand this world until you're in it. Yeah, but you know, I, I do have some sighted instructors who have taken it upon themselves to do as much as they can to be under the blindfold, to function, to try to function at the highest levels possible using all of the skills that I teach. And you'd be surprised. They do it. But that's because you're, do it. you're encouraging that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. the balance is right. Yeah. You yeah. know, essentially the training and their role is coming through you, right? So if you have a sighted leader, yeah. then it will follow their approach and, and how they believe it, it to be done. You know, through the manual, essentially. And you know what I do is I even encourage uh, the sighted mobility instructors to put on a blindfold, grab a cane, and go train your student under the same circumstances. So hold your mobility lesson under the blindfold. What do you say to, because I, I feel this sometimes, I don't know about you, and I'm sure you've heard this from other students along the way. Maybe not kids so much, but certainly adults. That the, the, There's often a feeling of inadequacy when you're blind. And that inadequacy can come from the sighted people around you who are more capable, who can do more things, at least in, in your mind at that time. I've felt this through my career and through my life. Yeah. But also from other blind people who seem to be more independent than me, the ones who can read Braille at you know, 100 words a minute and the ones yeah. who can navigate themselves you know, anywhere they want to go. You almost feel like you're never good enough when you're in the middle ground. Well, look, do you, do, you, do, you, do you meet people with that experience and, and that feeling? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. When, when I heard uh, you speak and, I, and then I, I heard you introduce I thought, hey, this guy's absolutely awesome. <laughs> but but instead, instead of being inadequate uh, feel, or feeling inadequate, what I think is, is well, hmm, I, I'm a competitive person and I like to improve. And so it gives me motivation to improve my, my ability to speak and whatnot. Um, and more than that, let's work together. Let's, let's, let's do something because you have certain skills and I have certain kills, skills. And when, when you meet all these different people with different skills, you can create some powerful whatever outcomes. How did you get started in this role? <laughs> and how did, how did this become a career for you? Did you wake up one day and say, do you know what I want to do? I want to teach blind people how to move around. You know, when I was young, when I went to school, I, I went to school in California, um, even though I now live in Austria. Um, I noticed that there was a lot of blind people that were struggling with mobility, moving around a bit awkwardly, unsecurely, and I was just running around all over the place. And I could not wrap my head around why this was the case um, until I started working with um, Daniel Kish. Daniel Kish was, mm. was my first blind instructor, and I was actually one of his first students. He's a very well-known name, of course, uh, in our community uh, because uh, of the echolocation, essentially, uh, yeah. When, when I met him... I, I I got a role model, right? And it's like, hey, this guy's doing awesome. He's 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 doing well, moving around, and well respected and whatnot. Um, I, it was my first blind adult that I met. I had never blind, met blind adults, and so I think it's important for for blind people to have excellent mentors, competent mentors mm. who are blind, um, and which is not the case for a lot of people. No, no, absolutely not. And there needs to be. A community, uh, like like Big Blind Brother or something. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big Blind Brother. I like that. <laughs> and so, um, what, what I realized after working with Daniel Kish, uh, I started working with him teaching because I spoke Spanish. And one of our first trips was out to Mexico. And, of course, I was his translator. And as I worked more and more with people, uh, I realized, hey, What's happening here is that people are not being taught to explore. They're, they're being kept from exploring by, by all the sighted people and not being encouraged. 
and by holding on to the to be inside and guided all the time and not using the cane and whatnot. And so um, I'm actually responsible here in in the German-speaking countries for introducing children to canes even before they walk. Wow. So, so I'm changing the system. Before I came out here to Europe, the kids were receiving cane um, at around seven, eight, nine years of age. Yeah, that's when I started, yeah. And, and I said, no, you guys, hey, it's as soon as you give it to them, uh, the little children start to explore. They they use it as an extension of their arm. So so why not start then? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting talking to you. Thank you so much for coming along. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And 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 one thing I will be um, starting as well is incorporating 3D audio into my lessons and mm. and, and well, that's my next venture. <laughs> Fascinating. Thanks so much well, for coming thank, along. Thank, thank you, Stephen. Thank you. It was you. a pleasure. So there you go. That was Juan Caprice. Sean, I can only imagine you have a lot to I, say on this. I've got so many questions. I, I mean, there's so much I want to say on that. Um, yeah, well, I, look, I, I, we'll get what? to that tomorrow, okay? We'll get to tomorrow oh, because there's no time. There's no time. Oh, never any time. Two hours show, Mr. F. One hour a day is just not enough. No. I know it's disgraceful. God bless you, Mr. F. Uh, right, that is oh, it for today. You forgot. Oh, no. I know. Oh, sorry. God bless you, Mr. F. <laughs> That is it for today. Uh, to keep your feedback coming, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Uh, I'm sure there'll be even more comments to come as a result of today's uh, comments already from our listeners, Chris and Chris, um, yeah. and Des as well. Let's not forget Des. Uh, but yes, uh, keep your feedback coming. Also by voicemail, one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. 803 That's it from me in Vienna. I'll be back on my travels uh, today and back in my little studio with you Tomorrow in your shed. There's now a bed in Manchester. Shed shed the bed. bed. Correct. Catch you tomorrow, guys. Catch you, Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.